and welcome to the Good Health Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Good, a registered nutritional therapy practitioner and functional medicine practitioner. Join me as we explore thyroid, brain and fatigue conditions with positivity. From Hashimoto's to multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue to adrenal dysfunction, I've got you covered. With expert advice and tips to help you take action now and inspiring real patient stories from successful individuals who refuse to let their health hold them back. Start your journey to good health today. And don't forget to come and join the conversation on Instagram at good underscore health, that's G-O-O-D-E. Or visit my website at nicolegoodhealth.com to find out more. Today, I welcome Polly Moore to the podcast. Polly is a hugely successful retreat venue owner and retreat leader, having built not one, but two six-figure retreat businesses together with her partner, Sean. Their venue and retreats are featured in places like The Telegraph, The Sunday Times, Tatler, and many more. Having moved from Sussex to a new venue, Earth, in Cornwall, Polly not only runs hugely successful and fully booked retreats at Earth, but also coaches other retreat venue owners and retreat leaders to build successful businesses. Today, I discuss with Polly her journey from London and the world of television and film as a producer and scriptwriter, to the effects of burnout on her well-being, the benefits of retreats for your health, and what you can expect when you go on one. Let's jump straight into the conversation. Polly, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. It's so lovely that you asked, and I'm thrilled to be here. Brilliant. Well, I can't wait to share your story with all the listeners. Um, I think it's going to be a really good episode. So where I'd really love to start is just sort of how you started out. So I, you know, I know your story, obviously we've, you know, we've, we're friends and we've talked a lot. So I know your story from moving from London, being Mm -hmm. the filmmaker, being in that world to, you know, what you do now, which is retreats and a whole other world and in Cornwall and in the lovely nature so can you just tell us a little bit about your life, your life before the retreats, before we kind of dig into what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. I mean, God, it was busy. That's what it was. It was busy. I'm an incredibly creative person. So I threw myself headlong into this absolute dream career of being a producer in London. And I worked as a freelance producer. So I worked across the board in things like music videos, um, documentaries, short dramas. Um, And then I did a stint rebranding the BBC News for a couple of years as well. And I worked and worked. But during that time, it was a very hedonistic time in the 90s. And most of the deals were done outside of work. So you would do, I don't know, really long hour days and you kind of go in at eight Uh, finish often seven and then you'd go everybody would meet in the pub with the clients and it would be very much a kind of they said decompressing but you wouldn't get home till two in the morning yeah or I didn't anyway (laughs) I just love the energy and the kinetic energy of motion and things happening and creative thought I just loved it and how did you feel that that impacted you did you fit did you did you notice it at the time or is it something that you not at all no not at all because when you're in that place as most people know that you are being fed so you're being nourished in a kind of way that's really different to being healthy so I was really nourished creatively but um very sort of like soon there were just lots of cracks that were starting to show And none of them were really terribly bad, not bad enough for me to go, right, that's it. I'm going to, you know, kind of stop now or going to do something different. But these things happen over a a long period of time, I guess. 
Yeah. And what I I'm real I'm somebody who really lives with my intuition. So if my intuition says nope, that's it. I've got to obey it because I know it's my wise self talking. So uh, I had a relationship of 10 years end and I had to sell my house and things started to go sort of slightly wrong, not so badly wrong. And I'm a real trooper. So I would have kept going all the time. But my intuition was like, "Mm, mm, mm, stop, stop. And after the relationship ended and I was in the middle of selling the house, I had a, a solo trip to New Zealand and I walked. And actually, that was another thing that I was doing. I was so determined that I was going to walk on every of the, you know, the trekking paths it's up and down the North and South Island. And of course, it's kind of like the trooper in me again, really charging, wanting to do everything. And so I did that. And then suddenly what happened is I just started to feel the incredible nourishment of nature. I started to feel really held in nature. And I started to feel like I could re- it would hold me enough to let go of this enormous drive that I had. And nothing had come close to that. So I did start to kind of really realize that walking in nature was really what I needed to do. And how did you listen to that? Because you said you, you know, you listen to your intuition. And yeah. so I've, I've actually just recorded another, uh, an episode for this season on on burnout and how people struggle to do that so how they really you know actually they struggle to recognize what's going on and maybe to take steps so how did do you think that's just something that's in you do you think it's something that you can learn to do I think it's in everybody and I think it's how you value what your values are and how you value and I think if you've got a really healthy self-esteem uh that runs alongside this you want the best for yourself. And if you prime your intuition and, you know, with, you know, a a kind of an understanding about yourself, if you prime it and say, make sure that you deliver my best self to me. And I was in the process of doing that, you know, when you're in a breakup and you have to, you know, really wrench from half your life, you know, friends and everything and location and everything, you kind of realize that you have to start inputting a new sense of self and that you had to, I had to bring my self-esteem into it to uphold any changes that I was going to make. So it could act as a bridge for those, uh, those changes that I had to endure. And that's really what happened. I felt really, I started reading loads of, um, books that in those days they were called self-help books I think they're just called books now right (laughs) and um, I had to I kind of really decided that I really wanted to power into another part of myself and everything in my life was about my outward was about achievement it was about creativity it was about output and I really had to really switch that up and have the confidence behind me to start learning how to uh, input, how to give myself nourishment, how to give myself what I needed, how to have people around me that were incredibly nurturing. And if there weren't nurturing people around me, I had to be nurturing to myself. So it was a complete and utter switch around. And that sounds drastic. And I'm, I'm looking back now and I'm talking in a drastic way, but really it was very incremental. There were small steps daily. Yeah. So I made sure that I had a really good morning routine 
that would uphold me for the rest of the day and things like that. I would journal like crazy. I would, you know, only, I'd be very um, conscious of lower orders of consciousness and, you know, not watch crap telly. Um, just really try and retrain my brain to nurture. Yeah, I think that's so important. Yeah, and because you've you've gone into obviously gone into this world of of retreats, and yeah, it sounds almost like New Zealand for you was almost like your first sort of step in that process. But had you been on retreats before? You know, for yourself, was it something that you had wanted to do, but maybe not had time to do? Sort of what what drew you to the retreat world? Yeah, so I there weren't many retreats around. I mean, on the most part, during those days, the people that were retreating were monks and nuns, right? <laughs> and if you did go on a kind of retreat, it was very sort of a Spartan, almost severe experience. Yeah. I never went on them because I'm I really like comfort. I'm total comfort girl. I love you know, really nice things. I love, uh, yeah, just comfort. And when I was in New Zealand, I stayed in really nice places whilst I was trekking all over the place. And um, yeah, it was nature really that was the healer for me and the, and the precursor to, you know, to the retreats. But I wasn't thinking, oh, what should I do with my life now? I did um, decide, I started walking and walking into London from where I was living in South London. And uh, my hips started hurting because I was walking on concrete. So I thought, oh, God, I actually really need to walk on, you know, ground, proper ground. So I put a pin in the map. I mean, I, I was, you know, my hand was forced in a way because I had to move anyway. And I thought, I know, I'm going to take a six month sabbatical. I'm going to put a pin in the map around about an hour from London. And because I was still working on a film, still producing a film for Film 4 and Channel 4. And I knew that I had to be in London almost daily. So I I put a pin in the map and it landed in Sussex. And that's as complicated as it got. Oh, I love that. I love the simplicity of that. <laughs> I didn't exactly. know that story. I love that. I, I mean, it really was. Thank you for understanding the simplicity of it, because most people are, have so many questions about that process. But actually, it was really that simple and, and practical. And so I just... and by absolute quirk of fate I ended up on a private estate and um in Sussex and I ended up in this incredible sort of artist garret it was a, ta a circular tower of folly on a hill overlooking the South Downs completely no neighbours but absolute well my my neighbours were you know nature and small insects and things like that so it was an incredible place I took it for six months and whilst I was there, I find it really hard to sort of properly chow down. And so I ended up writing a script and then directing it um, with Maxine Peake, the actress in it. And uh, and then I started to really feel like that just it didn't feel right, even though that was, you know, was an old ambition of mine to write and direct something. In the process of that, outside of London, it just didn't feel right. And so what did feel right was the daily stuff, like journaling, doing some yoga. I met a team of healers, you know, people were doing shiatsu, people were doing body work, which is what I really needed. And I needed to be held. And I didn't think about, you know, the future or what I was doing. I was kind of living like a retired person without a pension. <laughs> 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 which, and I had calls from friends daily in London going, what the hell are you doing? 
come back, you know, what are you doing? They kill you in the countryside and all of stuff. <laughs> and um, I decided that, you know, I would, you know, uh, continue to walk. So I was walking every day, miles and miles, and it was just a great way of finding the space in my mind, in my head, and to listen to my own voice. So after a couple of miles, I started to drop down and I could hear more intuition, more ideas that were geared to my personal development rather than my output. So that was a huge switch over. And um, and I saw, and you know, when you get into that space, I don't know if, if you've felt this, Nicole, but when you get into that space, you only want good for you. So you, I kind of was making better food. Um, I wasn't really Snowball effect. Yeah, it really was. But, you know, tiny steps, small yeah. steps, like, oh, that tastes good. That feels good. And I ended up to the, the local thought I was utterly hilarious because I took this patch of ground that was just field outside this tower and uh, made a whole vegetable patch kind of rotivated it myself, didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, and, you know, people got really kind and they started giving me vegetables because they just thought <laughs> she's never going to grow anything. They're probably like, oh no, this woman from London has not got a clue what she's doing. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. And I used to go down to the pub occasionally when friends came and they came often. They came a lot. They were curious about what I was doing. And suddenly I realised I was completely inundated by other friends who were in media and they were there. They were just there. Some were camping, sometimes up in vans and just wouldn't leave. Sometimes it was friends <laughs> of friends and they were just like, this is amazing. So this was like your first retreat. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> this, this tower that I lived in became the first retreat. So it was interesting that I was just so focused on I had, you know, after a while, I stopped wanting to, to take that journey down to London. I stopped getting much out of it. And, you know, there was a, part, a huge part of me that's like, what the hell am I doing? You know, don't cut off your supply, whatever mm -hmm. you do. But that said, my intuition was really keenly, you know, grow the tomatoes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> grow the lettuce. And no one was doing, you know, it wasn't fashionable then at all. You know, no, no. one was doing because times have changed I mean it's very yeah it is very it's you know a lot more people are doing it now and looking at that yeah. and I mean I've you know I obviously grew up in the country so I've well yeah I'm I'm in I'm in the country now I'm a little bit more in the country now than I was when I was growing up I I love city breaks so I love London I absolutely adore London and I love city holidays I love going like yeah. Rome and Paris and I love all that stuff I couldn't live in a city. I know that. And as much as I love them, for me, it's like when I know, I mean, after university, I remember loads of my friends, probably most of my friends went down to London and they were like, are you moving to London? Come down to London. And I was like, just, no, it's just not, I never even wanted to try it. it just, I just knew it wasn't for me. And I, I love being further out in the country. I don't like being cut off. I like being around people. I like having people around me. I like having, I'm, I can walk into the village and I like that but I couldn't live in a big busy city I just knew it wasn't right for me as much as I love it and going for weekends and things like that is just a joy I adore it but for me it's always been about being that little bit further out and having that slightly slower pace of life and I think I just knew that that was right for me yeah sure 
Absolutely. But I think other people, it takes them, you know, some some people it's not right. Some people, it's, it's they love being in the city and they get a real buzz off that. For others, it maybe takes them a little bit of time to realise that actually they want to step out and and do what you did and, and sort of move out and have a bit of a different life. Well, I've just come back from London last year, last night, as you know, and I've just spent three or four days and I've been to some masterminds out there and I met a whole load of people. And honestly, I loved every second of it. Yeah. So it activated a part of me that is, you know, part of my identity and my personality, which is to be around lots of people. But that said, there's such a big part of me that I was at that time really developing. I mean, I grew up in the country as well and used to ride and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And I think in that moment when I moved down to Sussex, you know, initially, it was very much expanding this part of me that... I hadn't given any space to. And that was a, you know, a new part of me as an adult that wanted to play, that wanted to experiment and that wanted to, wanted to kind of just experiment, yeah, to see what was going to happen. And I think mainly it was about how I felt. When I was in New Zealand, I realized, actually I hadn't even dropped into what it feels like every day to have really good feelings. Yeah. So when I moved to Sussex, it was trying to expand that concept with food, using food and exercise and uh, being around really good people. I love that. And you've so you started on this path. You went, uh, you know, you you took the move. You this, this sort of retreat started without you actually running a retreat. Yeah. And, you know, and now it's something that obviously you've been doing for a very long time, running these retreats um, yeah. in Sussex. And now you've moved to Cornwall doing it. And yeah. you must have seen a lot of people going through through your own retreats and also the, tre- the retreats that people come and run at your site at Earth. And you must have seen a lot of transformations over that time in people, because I imagine that retreats are are quite intensive and you can see you can actually for somebody who's used to seeing it, you probably see the transformations in front of you. But. What do you think are the sort of the main health benefits or, um, you know, life benefits, mental health benefits, whatever it might be? You know, for those who haven't been on retreats and things like that, what do you see people getting out of them? Well, going back to where I was in Sussex and trying to feel in to have that feeling, there was a transformation that I went through that was huge, that changed, that completely was a seismic shift for me. And uh, and then I experienced all these other people coming from their busy careers and needing the same thing. So I then took on a house and made it into a retreat because I knew the power of that transformation. So I knew that there was there was a need for it. And I knew the power of that transformation. And um, I. The last couple of years that I was in the tower in Sussex, uh, my partner then or still actually now, uh, Sean came to live with me and he was such a city boy and he was totally frightened of the countryside, never really spent much time in the countryside. And uh, he grew a beard. I bought him a chainsaw and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) He was sold on it. And you can say that he had his own transformation as well because he started to understand that he could expand, you know, his sense of self, his aura, whatever, there whereas he couldn't he never had the opportunity in London because there's just so many people that you were butting heads with so we both took on this um I mean we didn't know what he was doing and he's an amazing man to 
say yes to my vision. I just said, look, let's just get this big house. Let's just do this. And what we were absolutely blown away by is people would turn up. They have really complicated lives and they turn up and they'd walk through the door and they'd be totally vexed as to what they were doing there. And the look on their faces when they arrived was just like, what the hell have I done? <laughs> and most of us have felt like this at some point or another when we've gone on holidays. So it's like, I'm too busy to go on holiday. I'm too busy for dot, dot, dot. And we watch people walk into the walk into the retreat space and then we'd give them their, they'd have a first session and then they'd have their first meal after which you could watch the shoulders drop. You could watch people's faces, what we call crack open. I mean, that's, you know, it's not as uh, dramatic as it's, it is, you know, as horrific as it sounds, but it was a dramatic change. And by the next day, you watch people unfurling and you watch people releasing themselves. And if I hadn't have done that myself, I wouldn't have understood what transformation was on offer during a retreat. And it is massive. And of course, you're up against yourself always. So some people are, you know, get into a place where they're fighting themselves and that can be difficult for them. But if you really surrender to the process of retreating and to what's on offer and you find a way through it and hold yourself through it, you can come away with the most incredible transformations. And I've still got friends who came on our first retreat that we, they've kept coming back, returnees. And I, this, I mean, you've got to understand that I set up my first retreat venue 17 years ago. So the amount of retreats, we have about 86% returnees. And so people will come year after year after year because they know that you're a safe space in nature away from where they had, where they were, and they can suspend their lives for a moment so that they can drop into this amazing space where they are, where they're going to be fed healthy food, where they're going to be, you know, listened to, where they're not going to be talked at. No one's going to chew their ears off. Um, they're going to be able to expand their own inner worlds. And I think that, that has become something that is more needed probably now than even when you started doing retreats because you're so well, right. You know, life has just got busier and busier. And yeah, you know, we we I think we do struggle to kind of almost step off the treadmill. Yeah. You know, once we get on that path of doing something and we keep going and this is what life is, and mm. it can be it can be difficult and it can be really daunting to say, actually, I am just gonna step off and take a week or you know, whatever for myself and do something different. And I think it's because life has become so so busy and I talk about this a lot with um clients in the sense of you know now we have a lot of these chronic kind of low-grade stresses in life that are you know they're not the big stresses of the past where you'd had to go and hunt for your food and you know and all of that sort of stuff but we've got these these little low-grade things that that like niggle away at us all the time so that we're living in this constant little low-level state of stress Mm. and we maybe don't even recognize them because yeah, so we class right. it as normal you know it's just like oh that's just normal life we have and I'm not talking you know we all come up against big stresses in life that there's, there's things that happen in life that we can't avoid that are you know you know we lose people and you know things like that and it, it and there are big stresses in life and that's a part of life and we're not going to get away from that but this low level stress has become something I think new and something that's grown and grown and grown and we're more 
we're much more susceptible to falling into that trap, I think, and not necessarily seeing it. And yeah. I imagine that, you know, retreats, they kind of give you just that time to actually step off the treadmill yeah, and maybe assess as well, actually, you know, where we don't see ourselves maybe as being being stressed or being tired or, you know, whatever it might be. They give just give you that time to actually listen to your body. I think for most people, um, the change for them isn't as dramatic as I had. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up setting up my own retreat before I'd even been, one, been on one. But they do integrate. The really smart people do learn to integrate. They know that they need uh, solace. They know that they need quiet to listen to their intuition, to their bodies. Yeah. And so retreats are a great space to be able to do that. You're, it's not like your mum's 60th birthday. It's not like, you know, your girls weekend. There's not loads of booze, you know, on our retreats. We rarely, we, I mean, I can count on one hand the amount of retreats over 17 years that have had alcohol in them. You know, that's not what it's about. It's about stopping all the stressors, booze included, and stepping exactly. off that and being nourished on all levels and actually that sounds quite severe sounds kind of monastic and it's not it's but being with a group of people who are wanting to do exactly the same thing as you and hearing their stories is a great way of realizing and signposting where you are and what you need to do and all of us when we go on retreat we all meet somebody who clicks something in our brain that's sort of like, oh, okay, okay. It's fascinating how that happens, how we are open enough to be able to receive new information. And I think when we're in busy lives, we don't, we're not always open to hearing the essentials that we need to hear. And you don't meet people outside of your circle either. You know, it's an opportunity to actually interact with different people maybe from Absolutely. different backgrounds or different worlds. And, and we don't get to do that much in day-to-day -day life. No. And since 2020, it's been so extraordinary because everybody's trying to get away from their bubbles, for sure. And that's been quite <laughs> funny to listen to, I have to say, around the kitchen table. Um, and everybody brings their best self. Whereas at home, often they're reacting so much that they're not their best selves. Yeah. And they're in this place of like you saying low level stress and reaction and uh, survival mode I suspect and when you come on retreat there's something about it that you bring your best self and you're around a load of people who are also bringing their best selves so there's like a alchemical kind of um, up leveling and it's really wonderful and that's when the information becomes really interesting between people oh I've got Everybody's got a condition, uh, a kind of a condition, an illness, more or less either low or high, but everybody is suffering in this modern world and they are really finding life difficult and they're unconsciously looking for some answers and some techniques or ways that they can support their, um, their bodies and their minds to get back into their lives, but improve it. And retreats are a fantastic pause to be able to do that, where you can really listen to yourself. And what would you say to people who sort of would say, 
I mean, I don't have time to take that time for myself or, you know, I'm, I've got family and it's selfish to take that time out for myself because, you know, generally it's, this is not a family thing that they would be doing. So what would you what would you say to them in terms of what benefits they might get from doing it that they can give back to their family when they go back to them or back to work when they go back to work? You know, what what would you what would you say to those people that are sort of maybe a bit resistant on the time side of things or 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 see it as being selfish to take that holiday for themselves? I'm in awe of everybody that turns up at the door, knocks on the door, first day of retreat. I think they are goddesses. I really do. For being able to get, and I say this every single time that people come through the door. I think that they are amazing for organizing their uh care for their people for managing their lives so that they can take that moment for themselves. I think it takes enormous self-esteem to be able to do that. And I think that's really hopeful. Yeah. Just in that action, they don't even have to go away. The fact that they have created a pause and a space in their own lives is so extraordinary. And I am full of awe for them of them. And so when they turn up and they have this bemused look on their faces, like, oh my God, I really shouldn't be here. I should be with the kids at the, you know, whatever. They suddenly start to realize and they start to collect with other people around the kitchen table or whatever and outside or wherever. And they or on a walk and they realize the penny drops that this is the most important thing and moment in their life at that time. Yeah. That they have no other time that they give to really restore, reset, relax, and think of what they need to do next. Yeah. And it's so incredibly valuable. And it's just, you know, to go then back into life and have a strategy to make changes is probably the best thing that they could do for their families. Yeah. You know, it's such a short time out relatively to be able to put themselves in the picture that will benefit everybody. And you can't give back to your family if you are running on empty. No. It's, you know, it is that simple. And it's, we all need time to refuel and, you know, to help our bodies and help our minds. And I think actually that by going on retreat, they can go back more of, more themselves to their family and give more of themselves to their family because they've Absolutely. given that very short space of time like you said really in the grand scheme of things yeah by giving that short space of time to themselves they can actually then give more back to their family or their work when they when they do return yeah. look they're they're better entrepreneurs they're better mothers daughters friends partners they're much better when they have restored yeah. right and that's just fact. We are useless when we're worn down. We're no good for anybody. And we are, you know, careering towards, you know, major illness when we don't take that time out. And, you know, that's what happened to me. I was careering towards illness and I knew that I needed, my intuition was like, you have to really take the time it's important. I had no idea what I needed to do, the steps that I needed, but I knew I needed a pause to be able to think about it and experience what that felt by putting my feet on the ground and, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. And in New Zealand, that was really important to me. It's just like the whole idea of moving forwards. 
was like giving some velocity to my own thoughts and my own rhythm. I think the thing that everybody realized in lockdown and the thing that comes up every retreat is that people are working to their own rhythms and we don't get to do that. Our lives are broken because we follow a rhythm that belongs to other people, other structures, other, you know, you know maybe the corporate world, maybe uh, our family uh, systems, whatever. But when you come on retreat, it's very much about you are really on your own rhythm. And finding your own rhythm as well. Yes, you're on your own rhythm. You, you may never have got there mm. without that moment. And once you realize that you're in your own rhythm, then perhaps that can help you to change. You know, maybe you're somebody who work. We've talked a lot about this, haven't we, Nicole? But you, maybe you're somebody who wakes up in the morning and you, I, I wake up at five and I do a lot of work at five. I do my rituals that support my day and then I, I'm straight into work. But by two, I'm hopeless. <laughs> and uh, then I come back around again about five or six. But I think everybody has a, a, you know, my partner's the opposite. He's a night bird. He loves to work late. Yeah, I can work late. But if you tried to get me working first thing in the morning, I'm rubbish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm exactly. Terrible. If you said to me, get up at five, start working before everybody's up, it would be, I would, I'd wake up, I'd feel drained. I would do nothing, but I can work late. And that is, that's me. And it's, it's not ideal for health. And I try not to work too late because I know it's not ideal for health, but I can't, I know that I don't, I don't function as well that first thing in the morning. I need my little bit of time to get up and come round. And I like my mornings a little bit to myself before I dive into work. And I certainly, and I, I, I plan my days to support that. So I know that like yes. yeah. the work that I do first thing in the morning is generally different to the work that I would do a little bit later on in the day or around lunchtime. And then I, a bit like you, I like to just easy off and do some easier things later on in the day. And and I think even just recognizing things like that is really important. It's so smart. It's so smart because that's how we learn self-care, where we learn, you know, w- w- at what point during the day are we are we facing burnout? Yeah. Not just from the day, but generally, how are we, you know, going with our own flow? How are we fighting? And then once you understand that basic kind of thing of I'm going against what my body needs, uh, once you get a handle on that that's such a good step forward to healing generally yeah so I asked my email list to send in any questions that they had for the guests and there was overwhelmingly one question that came back for you there was other questions but there was one that was just came back from so many people and this was that they would love to do retreats Mm -hmm. But that the thought of kind of going on them on their own, going with a group of people that they don't know, and you know that side of things is a little bit daunting to them. Mm-hmm. And so the the question to you is, what would you say to people who are thinking of doing the solo retreating? Maybe not coming. You know, some people obviously will come with friends, but these these were sort of people who were saying, "I'd like to go and do this on my own without my circle around me." but they feel a bit daunted by that. So what would sure. you say to the people, you know, you must have seen lots of people go through that experience, but what what would you say to them to kind of encourage them of what the, what that would be like? I would ask them the question, did they know that nearly all retreaters are solo retreaters? I imagine not. 
<laughs> I think they they sort of think everybody will be with friends and you know yeah I mean there are the odd couple of friends that come but I think now people understand that retreats are for their own elevation mm-hmm. they are wanting to go to face a transformation and you know it's very hard to do that when you're with your mate who has this idea and this you know of who you are and who you are to be to them yeah so going alone I mean we gear our retreats to people who come solo so we host them so we meet everybody and we get we say anything you want you do you don't have to join in with everybody you don't have to if it feels daunting you know you can spend all the time you want in your room and just recover and sleep there are no pressures whatsoever and what happens is once people feel that they have permission to be who they need to be that's when it gets interesting for them because then they start to understand who they are and what they really want instead of I'm too scared you know that is such a kind of um yeah fear is huge fear is massive right now but the idea of retreats is that we've really cornered off that feeling of fear and we meet you where you're at so uh, for example my last retreat uh, only a couple of weeks ago um there was one woman on it who was bought the retreat by her mother which is always always interesting it's like yeah you really need to go on retreat here's a retreat (laughs) and (laughs) and she was really resistant in fact she was so resistant about leaving her kind of bubble really and her kids and all the rest of it. And she was going through enormous stress and with work and all the rest of it. And she was sick on the train on the way there. So there's this huge drama that we had a, took a phone call from a woman that was on the train with her, a complete stranger, to say, oh, you've got to get this woman to hospital. And when we uh, met this lovely, beautiful woman, we were kind of let's take you to bed, see how you feel. And then if you want, we'll drive you to hospital. That's fine. But first of all, arrive. And so we completely held this woman and that's all she needed. She was so terrified of what she didn't know. We all are terrified of what we don't know. Yeah, it's the unknown, yeah. It's the unknown. And because we haven't been in leading our own lives, you know, for a while, making real decisions from our real self, we're really frightened of who we really are. That's the fear on going retreat, is that we're going to be faced with this person that we don't know, which is ourselves. And so we know this stuff and we're really skilled at being able to make people feel comfortable about who they really are. And that's fine. And everybody's the same. Everybody turns up and they're, they're in an elevated place of themselves. And so everyone's kind, everyone's generous, everyone's sweet. There is opportunities for you to hide everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) There's opportunities for you to sit and chat to people, but everything's, everything is on the table. There is no judgment. I think that's really important. I felt that really important to create a space where there's absolutely no judgment of you. And I don't, I mean, when we have, when we have our arrival talk, the big thing that we say is let's all let's all stay here with kindness. There's no judgment and let's bring our best selves. And it's a real invitation to draw people out of themselves and to 
be present and to be who they need to be. So there's no fear in it. The fear is dispelled immediately. And then in the end, this lovely woman, she was so surprised by the time that she had. She was so shocked. She kind of left. She didn't want to go in the end. She didn't want to go back to her (laughs) hectic life. And then she sent us the most beautiful letter just saying how her life had changed completely and how she'd, you know, learned to absolutely love herself and to transform her own life. I mean, it sounds like a cult we're running. We're not. (laughs) (laughs) We're not running a cult, I promise. But I think she found the space for herself to really drop into, which she didn't do in her own life. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think, I think a lot, like you said, a lot of the fear that comes from that question of, you know, what's it like to solo retreat? I think a lot of that fear is not knowing what to expect on a retreat. You know, it, it is, if they've not done it before, it's not like going on holiday. I think it's sometimes like people, no, it's different. It's a whole other thing. And I think sometimes people think that it's also going to be very structured and they will have to do everything. And, and you know, I think that unexpected can actually hold people back maybe from mm. joining a retreat from doing it and and actually and the, and the fact is that actually retreats would really benefit people's health and wellness so I think that maybe that organized group experience also even though the solo side of things frightens them maybe the organized group experience side of things also feels a bit daunting to people so can you kind of just run us through a little bit of what a retreat might look like if they came to earth they were going to arrive tomorrow they were going to do a retreat with you what would their days look like what would what would kind of be involved and what would their options be sure we we offer a whole range of retreats but similarly we have uh facilitators come and run their own retreats so when you look on our diary there's a whole host of different things and you look you look on the diary and you go what what appeals to me you know You could just come and, like I say, you could just come and sleep. But for the most part, most people arrive. We're really aware of the arrival story, that people are coming and disentangling and finding it difficult to turn up. Because you'd be a very... um, You'd be a very kind of uh, cold person if you turned up and you didn't find it difficult. Yeah. The whole clunk of having to leave your own life is difficult. Um, so we know that and we know how to hold people when they first arrive. It's so important. And we give people a lot. There's a lot of space in the schedule for people to arrive. And then once we've given everybody a really good meal and we've done an arrival talk, everyone starts to melt a bit and they start to really, really become a lot warmer as well, because, you know, they know that I, I might crack a few jokes, but also I'm not a red coat at Butlins either. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can confirm you're very different to that. <laughs> but it's kind of like, you know, all these fears that they have, that they're going to be in a happy, clappy situation. Yeah, it's just normal. It's like going around to a really good. I mean, the biggest compliment that we've ever had for our 17 years is when people turn up and say, oh, my God, it's like going home somewhere that's home but much better yeah you know and I love that because you know if you want to make yourself comfortable make yourself a nest you know wear your really weird slippers that no one would normally see or you know make yourself comfortable the thing that we really want is for people to feel comfortable to feel okay 
and you know there's loads of books that they can borrow we've got a library full of books that people can borrow and you know that they would never choose themselves or no algorithm would ever choose for them mm-hmm. you know it's it's that kind of who are you outside of your life you know this is a great opportunity to just rest and restore and have permission to do that very often people don't have permission in their lives to really feel okay you know they're demanded of if you've got kids there's kids every five minutes who just want something right they want snacks they want they want it every five minutes and so it's a great time to be able to get get out of work you know turn your notifications off um and really just not do anything because that's unusual these days not to have anything to do is so unusual and what starts to happen is a new voice starts to emerge in your head and uh it's always your best self it's a wise self and it's always your best self and very often we've had letters from people and emails from people who've said god i had this idea and i know very well that creative people need space to percolate to incubate their ideas before they start anything so it might be if you're starting a business you might get that you know sudden idea if you're starting uh, a whole wellness schedule it that might be the idea from it the food that you have is different to what you normally have but the great thing about it is that it's we've got a chef or chef prepared menus and chef design menus and you use the you've got the local farm, haven't you, nearby? And- yeah, I mean, we live on the whole of Earth Peninsula is a I think it's three hundred acre, four hundred acre farm, which uses regenerative um, farming techniques. So there's no spraying. So when you're doing your breath work and you're breathing really deep into your belly or your lungs, you know, you're not taking in any nasties. It's completely clean air and you know, that boosts your brain full of incredible uh, oxygen that will regenerate your mind and cleanse your mind, soothe your mind. The food that we use, we've just, we're just putting a polytunnel up at the moment so that we can um, start growing our own food. Because when we were at our old venue, we, we grew our food and put it into our menus. And that's the best thing. That's our promise to our clients that they won't have to get their food from very far away so it's really important that we join the food revolution and try and support our guests that way so that they can start to taste their food yeah. and they and it is the best food it does it tastes better yeah, that is better you know I, I i go i go down and i in the cotswolds and we stay on an organic farm and you know I do that regularly and I love it. And the food tastes different. You can't get away from it. I mean, I buy organic at home, but somehow when you are eating the food that has literally grown in the field just over there and being prepared, picked that day, prepared that day, you know, the food tastes different. It does taste better. The food tastes fantastic. Also, if you're not making it, it tastes even better. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. If you've got somebody serving you, and I remember in lockdown, when we opened up between the lockdowns when we were still in Sussex and Sean was serving the food and he was had full PPE. It was, we've got photos of it. It's hilarious. And I'm sure everyone remembers this time. And uh, he would serve the food down because you couldn't do a buffet or anything like that. He had to you yeah. know, serve it, plate serve it. And we had so many women cry when he did that. It was so extraordinary because they were totally in charge of making food. They had to make food. They had to have their do their jobs, 
online, they had all that kind of responsibility. And so when you're on retreat, you lose all of that. Yeah. So when you've lo- when you've lost all of that responsibility, there is a whole space for you to develop another part of your persona. Because somebody is looking after your needs for a change, which, yeah. and actually, you know, and I, without sounding sexist with this, that's probably a big thing for women as well, because, yeah. you know, as much as things are shared and women work as well these days and all of that, but generally a lot of that does still fall on women. And we work as well now, and you know, and all of yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, research suggests that women actually had to take the brunt of all the um, domestic chores and the homeschooling and the cooking in lockdown. And I think this, and this woman told us when she cried, why she cried, and it was because she was served by a man. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, and I said, I said, Sean, well, that's that's your new role. You've got to serve all these women because you've got to. <laughs> you know, make sure the patriarchy to state, you know, you know, that men, you know, have, uh, you know, change their roles. You've got to show them that that's how it really works. And that was quite funny. But um, yeah, I think that was a huge part of it that women just felt overwhelmed. Yeah, I think overwhelm is a huge, huge, and I think particularly like you say, through the pandemic, through the pandemic, that overwhelm became even more of an issue. You know, it became a really big problem. But I think, I think it was a problem before the pandemic, to be honest. And I think it's still a problem now, but it just, it was sort of exacerbated through that lockdown. I mean, totally. One of the most wonderful things that Sean, my partner Sean really loves at hosting retreats is the fact that he gets to hear all the stories around the kitchen tables of, you know, how terrible the patriarchy is, how it's still very much thriving in its worst um, iteration and how he feels that you know he's leading a charge of people out of that you know by his small very small uh, contribution and I think it's really important for women to see that you know that balance and to yeah. see that balance when they come on retreat and you say small but small I always I always say even in clinic when I'm working with people on their health plans and things like that I always say small steps. That's what gets you there. You don't yeah. have to make this huge, ginormous decision and change everything. Small, yeah. like little baby steps are yeah. are going to help to get you there. And it is those little small things that make the difference. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of a retreat, you feel good. And you just have to look back over the you know, the last few days that you've spent that you have had really nurturing food without sugar, without, in the most part, without gluten, uh, without dairy, and uh, that you'd never normally choose. Mm. If you were to go to a restaurant, you'd be like, no, thanks. Yeah. But, you know, you've had that, you don't even know that you've had that Mm. because the menus are so creative Mm. and they're just different tastes and it's really exciting. You know, it's not a question of having food without it's having just different tasting food and how you feel good, how you're resourced by that food to re- be resourced, to be able to uh, walk all over Dartmoor or walk on the Southwest coastal path or swim in the sea or ha- be uplifted by the, you know, the, not only the food, but the fact that you're not demanded of. Yeah. So you can look back over the last few days and go, actually, that was a huge shift I've made. You know, it's, 
And now I feel really good. How can I take that home? And so on our Go Wild retreats, we have a signature in one of our companies called Department of Wellbeing. We have a signature retreat called Go Wild and it's called Go Wild for Your Health. And it started because my partner, you know, ended up with very surprisingly, he had um, a congenital heart condition and he had to undergo a, a heart bypass, a double heart bypass, age 42. And that was such a shock for all of us because we believed we lived a healthy life and we did. But um, he needed to go through this operation. And so we devised this program as a way of restoration. Yeah. And so it's really literally in all senses at the heart of our one business. And it's about that we want to live longer, that we want to be able to live within, uh, to use our bodies to optimize our health yeah. and that we want optimal health, which is what you offer. Um, we want optimal health to be able to do the things that we want to do. We want to be able to walk. We want to be able to swim. We want to be able to, you know, if if we wanted to run, we want to be able to move our bodies and make sure that we are uh, enjoying longevity. And, lo you know, longevity, I was, because I mean, obviously, so I've done the, um, the postgrad training in the longevity and prevention and all of that side of things. And, and I love that side of, of my work. And, but I always say it is about longevity. Yeah. But it's also about being well. Yes. That, that it's not time. just about extra extra time. We all want extra time. Of course, we do want extra time with our yeah. family. We all want that. But it's not just extra time. It's extra time where right. you can actually be well and still do the things that you want to yes. do. That's incredibly well said, because that's where I was going with that, but I wasn't saying it so well. So thank you very much for saying that really well. But that was the genesis of our wanting to move forwards, because we all got some kind of, you know, low level illness or even higher level illness, as it turned out that Sean did. And so we all want to be well. That's our objective, because we're nothing without it. Yeah. And we've just, you know, we've touched on this. You've you've recently moved from your original space um, at Tilson and you had huge success with that and lots of yeah. press coverage. You're one of the leading retreat centers in the UK, but you've moved to Earth. You're in Cornwall now. And, yeah. you know, if people listening to this, if they haven't checked out your Instagram, they really do need to because I, I just love seeing all the posts you put up on the nature and the area and where you live. It's just stunning. And you know, I'm going to drop your Instagram and into the show notes so everybody can can check that out. And you really should check out the space that Polly Thank and Sean are are building and cultivating. And, and I know you've got a lot more to come with it as well. And it's it's so exciting watching your journey. It really is the most incredible retreat space. But what was it? You know, you know, we've obviously we've talked about the process that you went through with with doing the move and. I was with you, you know, following you when you were doing this mm -hmm. for the right place. What was <laughs> it? Um, which, yeah. which I know was... Thank you, you know, for that, because it was hellish, wasn't it? Oh, was God. It? Yeah, which I know was was quite traumatic for you, oh. but um, it all worked out in the end. And, yeah. and the space that you found is just incredible. But what was it about Earth that when you found it, you know, I know we've had this conversation and you've said that it was just... It, you know your, it was your dream place when you saw it and what was it about it that when you kind of was it instant did it take time was it when you walked up to it what was it about this space that just made you fall in love with it well 
Nicole, as you know, when you followed this journey, and it was really horribly painful because we were looking for a retreat centre for two years and we couldn't find it. And it was right in the pandemic. And the, you know, um, just the whole real estate thing was really difficult. Trying to find, everyone was shifting and everything was on shifting sand as well. So it was just really, really hard. And then we decided, look, we're not going to go for a retreat centre. We're going to just go for a house and then have a pause regroup and see where we are you know post pandemic post cost of living crisis all of that and I was really like yes Sean it's fine you probably need to to have a break and have a breather and we'll just reassess my intuition was really strong it always bloody well is it's it, it was it was so strong I wouldn't give up the idea of a retreat center but for Sean uh, he had said yes to me and jumped in wholeheartedly with my vision of Tilton so I had to do that for him. So I would just backed off completely and said, whatever you want to do, we're going to do this time. And so he was looking for houses. We just couldn't find everything that we saw fell through. Nothing worked. We tried so hard. We were ending up looking at places that just were really inappropriate for us and just, just as somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks before we had to leave, three weeks before we had to leave um, uh, uh, Tilton, we um Sean said I'm going to call this number that I've been given and he called the number and they said yeah we've got this you know whatever place it's been sort of derelict for a couple of years and you know that struck fear in us because we'd spent so long bringing Tilton up because it was falling down and no one was spending many money on it and we were kind of like oh god have we got the energy to go through that again Anyway, we thought we'd go and see it. So we w- went to see it. I'd meanwhile been doing vision boards coming out of my ears. And, and I feel that they were almost taunting Sean. So I had to put them in my in my cupboard so he didn't have to look at them. <laughs> and um, bless him. And um, when we when we drove up, we had tears in our eyes. We could hardly get out of the car. And we were just absolutely blown away because... There were so many things that I put on the vision board and that I dreamt of for years that were not only there, but were there and more. There was more. And we got out of the car and I'd I'd always wanted, we had stables at Tilton, but we weren't allowed to use them for whatever reason. And there were stables in the grounds and Sean just turned to me and he had tears in his eyes and he said, and so there are your stables, darling. And it was just kind of like, oh my God. Where it is, is very, very, very special. There, We're in the middle of a peninsula. So once you drive over the cattle grid, you're out and you're almost encircled, except for that road, in a tidal river called the Liner River that just goes out to sea almost a mile away. And there, so there's a whole energy about the place where it is breathing in energy and breathing out energy twice a day with the tide. The light changes. Um, there's no road noise. There's no road noise, which is so, it's just not heard of literally in uh, in this world. So we, as soon as we woke, and also the place was a monastery at some point and it had that kind of vibe. Yeah. It just had this contemplation. And when we got there, we were kind of heart expecting to see something that was really undone. And in fact, it hadn't, it'd been done up and it even had these white carpets upstairs and all the rest of it. And we were just a cork. And we were just like, yeah, I know. And where do we sign? We want it now. And we, uh, and so we worked 
I mean, I'd done a huge business plan and all the rest of it. And it was everything that we wanted on the business plan and more. And the nature around here is unbelievable. And it wasn't until we'd moved in and we'd actually walk down this thing called a drover's path and round the peninsula that we just, there were oaks, there were ferns, there was moss, there was water all the way around. And I met a whole group of wonderful wild swimming women who took me under their webbed wings and, um, and took me out swimming sometimes at night, which is just phenomenal. Wow. And everything about it just opens up your soul and gives you an enormous sense of belief in nature. And this is where nature yields like nothing else. It just gives to you, you don't have to do anything. It's there and it gives to you. The, there's swallows in the barns, there's buzzards everywhere. It's just amazing. It just really feeds your soul. And, you know, you don't ever think about your phone. You don't ever think about, you know, what's on Netflix. You, there's so much to see and look at every single week. The wild, wildflowers change. It's extraordinary. Uh, and yeah, we love it. And we knew because we spent 60, 70, 16 years in a retreat center, we knew what worked and what didn't. Yeah. It was so super clear within nanoseconds of us getting in to, or outside the house. We knew, we said yes to it before we went inside because we absolutely knew what would work. And we knew what our clients wanted and didn't want. So we had that experience behind us when we rocked up. And you, because you help other people do this now, don't you, with the... Yes, so we've been unofficially coaching retreat leaders from our last venue. So people would book with us, but they had no idea of the business side of what they were doing. There was a whole load of light workers, healers, uh, people who want to put retreats on, but they hadn't understood the business side of things. So we would coach them so that they would sell out their retreats. And uh, that we did way before we built our, formalized our business. So in lockdown, when we had to close, which was terrifying, we set up, we had time to set up um, the Retreat Academy, which was our business where we coached people officially. I did a, a, a credited coaching course so that I had skin in the game, so that I could do things in a more bounded, clearer way with better, better methodology. And that was just extraordinary. And um, and yeah, so we're going from strength to strength. There are so many people who want to run retreats, their own kind of retreats, and just really need to learn the business side of finding their ideal clients and being able to sell out their retreats. Yeah. And what are your plans with Earth moving forwards? What's the next steps I know you've got the retreats are all they're all up and running and starting and you're booking yeah. for this year and next year but what what's the what's the next steps what do you hope it becomes well we've already run an incredibly successful retreat business and for us it's about a work-life balance it's about running really specialized retreats that have um, a much more sustainability element we live on a regenerative farm and we want to be able to attract people and stories that uphold that um, ethos. And um, so that's our new avenue. But also I want to invite more creative people and have a crossover of that too. And a crossover between all three um, disciplines of sustainability, creativity, 
and wellness. I think they all merge very, very well together. And we run a, com a company called Department of Wellbeing, which we've always understood is uh, a business that isn't just about wellness. It's about everything because everything is about wellness and everything's about creativity. Everything's about sustainability. And it's a fusion of those elements. So that's what we want to develop at Earth. I love that. And finally, so I'm asking a, a sort of similar last question to all of my guests. Yeah. What would your advice be for people who are listening, who are maybe, you know, in their jobs, in their life, they're crazy busy, maybe that maybe lifestyle's not quite what they want um, or they just feel really kind of burnt out and tired. You know, and I know how damaging that can be to a person's health in terms of, you know, burnout and triggering chronic illness and autoimmune disease and all of that. But what would you say to them if they're thinking about taking either a leap of faith to changing their, their life like you did mm. or going on a retreat and doing something like that that can be transformative for them but they can stay in the life that they have because they want to you know what what would be your final piece of advice looking back on your experience you know that wonderful hindsight that we all have when we can look back on things and what would be your final words that you would like to leave people with I mean I I, I say this to everybody on retreat and that's listen to your intuition for me listening to my intuition has brought me into a whole new life I, I didn't have the how. So have, listening to the intuition, it was about go to, go to nature. And I didn't have the how of what, how I could make the money. And what's happened as a result of that is enormous community that I've discovered. Huge community of people, like-minded people who are wonderful to work with, wonderful to play with, and all the rest of it. But be brave, listen to your intuition, whatever it says to you, obey it at all costs. Even if it's just like, take the day off. Yep. Even if it's like, choose, you know, choose the food that's going to be good for you. Even if it's as simple as that, listen to it. That's it. That's all you need to do because the rest will follow. And what so many people have said to me, yeah, but how you can't, people got really resistant and said, no, you had to have had a plan. This couldn't have just come from an intuition. And it's like, no, oh, I didn't have a plan. I rarely have a plan, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is very much intuitively led. And it's just having the self-belief that you have to cultivate, that you can get behind any idea that you have and make it go forwards another step. But listen to your intuition and especially around health. And that's what I did. And I love that. And and what about for the people? I know I said final question, but one more. What about <laughs> <laughs> what about because I could talk to you for ages, but what about um sort of same sort of question, I guess, but because I know a lot of practitioners, because obviously I'm followed by a lot of practitioners. And what about for those people who are thinking about wanting to run a retreat? Uh, yeah. you know, looking at it from the other side what what would your what would your final kind of piece of advice be to the practitioners out there that are maybe thinking this is something that they would love to offer to their people look they are completely invested in what they do and i want them to stay invested in what they do there are always people that you can reach out to like us that you can have a chat with and we've got the expertise and to marry the expertise up and not have to think that you've got to wing it on your own it's the worst thing you could do for your own health is to wing it on your own to try and run a retreat 
that you where you don't know what you're doing and it's a huge risk don't do that um i would say give me a bell we can chat we can work out what your needs are and we can work out exactly what you want from your retreat and create a bespoke retreat to help you yeah and you do amazing work with you know with people who are wanting to do that um yeah holly thank, thank you. you so much we will link everything. You. So, you know we'll link we're gonna we're gonna link earth i want everybody following that because it's just so beautiful so i just think even just to follow thank the journey you. of what you're doing there is incredible um but we'll link everything as well we'll link the retreat academy and department of well-being and let everybody see what you're doing and i highly recommend that if you are listening to this and thinking that retreats you know it might be something that you want to go on and just give yourself that space and that time highly recommend that you look at Polly's retreats because they are incredible and they're in this most beautiful environment and space and and you know and I know Polly personally as well and the the way that she can hold people and the way that Polly and Sean give to people is incredible so if it's something that you're thinking of doing definitely hit up those links in the show notes below and Polly thank you so much for joining me today thank you so much it's been an absolute joy to talk to you as always Nicole I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Good Health Podcast. Do share the episode with anyone who you think it may benefit or who may enjoy it. And help me spread the word by rating the episode or leaving a review. If you want more, you can find other episodes in the series on your podcast app or sign up to my free newsletter. Not only will you get information on new episodes launching, but we cover lots of health topics with the Ask Nicole section where you can send in your questions, my favorite recipes, my favorite products, tips and tricks to help you on the road to good health and much more you can sign up free of charge at nicolegoodhealth.com forward slash newsletter also linked below i hope you have a lovely week don't forget to hit subscribe and i'll see you next time